Taiwan. We're recording. Thank you. Talking about relapse today. All right. Anybody ever heard this term relapse before? What the hell does this mean, relapse? You're joking. No. Nope. Why can't a cat be named Serenity or Recovery? No, well, I know. They're like, it's relapse because it, it would come and visit the smoking area like uh-huh. every day. And then people that had relapsed and come back, they're like, oh, oh yeah, this cat was here the last time so, I was yeah. here. Unbelievable. Yeah. So relapse is the name of the cat, right? Well, I don't know if that's what the owner's Well, yeah, yeah but still. Yes. Someone's <laughs> trying to mess with people with this name. All right. So basically, there's a recovery process. And the recovery process... We talk about stages of change. And we talked about before that a lot of people begin getting high in that first phase. Like, I want to get high. Hey, Jennifer, got some weed? Yes, I do. Can I smoke it with you? Yes. And we're in eighth grade together, and we want to get high, right? At a certain point, now we're in high school, and me and Jennifer are smoking quite a bit, right? And I get a really bad test, and I'm like, Jennifer, I got like an E on this test. And she's like, oh, my God. That really sucks, and I'm like, I need to get high. And you're like, Raj, I got you. And we go out into the smoking area, and we smoke another bowl, right? Now, I'm in college, right? And I went from the want to get high to the to the need to get high, but now I'm in the pills, right? Like uh, oxys and Xanax, right? Yeah, I'm upgraded. Call, upgrade, I call it a downgrade, but yes. Oh, you know, either way, right? Upgraded. And so now what's different about this is now I'm dependent on it, right? And so I run out of pills and I'm like texting Jennifer. I'm like, Jennifer, this is fucked up. I'm over here at State and no one's got any pills. you got to hook me up. And you're like, why, Raj? Because when I don't get my pills, I get really sick and I begin to vomit and I, and I sweat a lot. And you're like, oh, my God, Raj, you have to get high. Right, I have to get high. It's not fun anymore because can't, you know, I mean, the first part is want to, then I, I need to, now I have to. Maybe all of a sudden law enforcement shows up and I'm being handcuffed. They put me in jail and put me on probation. And they say, Raj, you're on probation. You can't get high. Now I got tears in my eyes. I'm like, oh my God, I can't get high. And if I do, they're going to put me in a fucking cage. Like, what kind of country is this? I thought we were based on freedom. Right? And so then I go to a few NA meetings and a few AA meetings. Maybe some recovery college classes, right? Yeah, it's just a few, right? Not more than two on overdose, right? And so I go to a few of these classes, and all of a sudden someone goes, hey, man, you know, uh, uh, you, you don't have to get high. What? Yeah, you don't have to. You can actually, like, go through 24 hours and, and not use anything. I'm like, well, that sounds pretty cool. You know, I don't, I don't have to get high. And then all of a sudden, before I know it, I don't get high. That's great. Uh, yeah. 90 days, six months, and, and someone says, hey, did you think about getting high? And I go, oh, my God. I went through an entire day, and I forgot to think about getting high. And that's when you're that I don't get high stage anymore, right? I think I'm there. Right. It's a good place to be. Yeah. The less frequent is better. Right. Yeah. That one time a couple weeks ago. Yeah. And that was honest. But sometimes we have this thing called relapse, this ugly, horrible thing called relapse. In America, if you're on probation or parole, they will put you in a cage for using one time. It's remarkable. You can rip off millions of people for millions of dollars, you know, just like um, Purdue Pharma did, and just like HSBC Bank did, right? HSBC Bank said, hey, uh, by the way, they're in, they're in court. It said, we're really sorry we did some bad things. And the judge is like, okay, what'd you guys do? Uh, we kind of like laundered like $700 billion for the Sinaloa drug cartel. And we even had like a bank and a tower that was designated just to move cash through there to help them out. 
And I'm like, well, are you really sorry for that? The judge says, and he goes, we're really, really sorry. And I'm like, all right, well, um, we want to put some people in jail. And then the lawyer says, well, here's the thing. See, uh, you can't do that because we're too big to fail. And if, if one of right, right, and if one <laughs> of our rich. CEOs or top management guys goes to jail, the entire company will fall apart like a house of cards. And so the judge goes, well, I'm really upset about you guys. I mean, moving $700 billion worth of drugs for the Sinaloa drug cartel indirectly by moving their cash, you're probably responsible for killing tens and thousands of people. Uh, but we're really sorry about that. Well, okay, we're going to give you a fine of like, I don't know, mm, how about $2.3 billion? Right? Oh. Sure, $2.3 billion, done. Everyone's like, oh my God, HSBC Bank paid $2.3 billion. They got their asses handed to them. <laughs> and you're like, well, but here's the thing. Uh, that year they made $20.2 billion in profit. $20.2 billion in profit. That's not even S. Right. So, would you do it again? Yeah. Yeah, but I got people that, that violate DUI probation and drink one time, and they got to do a weekend in jail. Do we really believe that in America that our companies are so fragile that a person can't even do one weekend in jail? I mean, wouldn't that set some kind of symbolic thing? Like, if you move $700 billion for a drug cartel, someone's got to go to jail for a weekend? Or do I fucking sound crazy? That sounds fairly reasonable. <laughs> okay. I, I don't know. That, that, that's just me, though. All right. Anybody else disagree? No, I <laughs> yes. Just wanted, I was just reading the news just before. Mm -hmm. This 19-year-old kid was selling hash brownies, and... Mm -hmm. He's going to jail, possibly for life, because they're weighing it by the baked goods. Oh, my God. I, yeah, I that's not fair. And this is in Texas. Yeah, of course. I right. didn't read the whole article, but oh, I yeah, just started. Yeah. I'm like, what? Why? So, he's 19. Yeah. There's a little hash in the brownies. Right. But they weighed the baked goods, like all the yeah. ingredients. So, thank God he didn't throw some marijuana in, into a bucket of lead. Because then they would have weighed the whole lead bucket and they would have said, no, this is like, you know, 100 pounds of, of uh, marijuana. <laughs> no, it's not fair. That's the point. Okay, relapse triggers, okay? So we want to prevent relapse. Relapse is a really bad thing. We want, we want to avoid it if all possible. How do you guys think most relapses occur? If you had like a theory, if you were going to try to help somebody and prevent them from relapsing, what would you warn them about? Something really bad happens to you. Like yeah. Thing yeah, like environmental stressor. Thank you. Exactly. Especially a death, right? Someone dies. Or how about if you lose your job that day? Out of the blue, yeah. your boss calls you in. You're fired. And you're like, you're, you're stunned. Or if your wife hands you the divorce papers, like, hey, by the way, here's a deal, stud. It, it's over. Like, what? What? Right? So anything that's traumatic, like a, a major life stressor. What about bad places, bad spaces? For example, let's say that I'm in a really bad mental place, right? My wife just handed me divorce papers and my boss just fired me. Should I go to the dope house and tell them that I'm uncomfortable and sad? Or should I go to a safe place like someone that I can love and trust, maybe a, a sponsor or a, or a mother or a father or brother? Yeah, or someplace safe, right? Would that be a place that you want to go to, right? So if you're in a bad space mentally, you want to get to a good place. Is that making sense? Now, some people say, well, you're in recovery, you can't go to a concert, you can't go to a bar. Well, that's not true. I don't encourage anybody to do it in the beginning, but after you have about a year sober, especially a year sober, a lot of people go to lots of shows and lots of concerts and watch bands in bars and don't fall apart and start drinking. But you want to kind of get back to being in a normal world. Too. Exactly. I mean, I get, I get it yeah. not right away, 
time. But, but step by step. But, you know, you're going to have to be, you can't just live in recovery mode forever. Yeah. And so if you're in a good space mentally, you can be in a bad place. Right. Right. Yes, so I, my head's together. I got a year under my belt. No cravings or urges to use. I'm going to go see this band, watch their first set. I'm not drinking. I'm going home. That can actually work. Yeah. Is that making sense? All right. So let's go through this. The 12 biggest relapse triggers. Who wants to read number one? We can't. All right. How about being... I apologize. Being in the presence of drugs, alcohol, using friends, or using places where you used to drink or drug. What's bad about that? Why would I want to avoid that? Because he got into that mess to begin with, probably. Right. You know, hanging out with... <laughs> My old heroin-shooting girlfriend. I wonder how she's doing today, you know? Maybe I should go visit her. I wrote a poem for her, oh. and I'm sober. Why would I not want to go visit, you, you know, dope-shooting Sally? Why would I want to not visit her? Maybe, but maybe not. Maybe I really want to show her my nice poem, but why should I not do that? What is she still doing here? Sally might go, Raj, I love your poem. It's so thoughtful and introspective. You're a goddamn genius. Hey, let's do some heroin. And I'm like, oh my God, Sally, you understand me. You really get me. And you see my creative aspects and, and my sensitive side. I feel like these stories are real. No, this one's not real. Okay. I wish it was. Yeah, no. <laughs> No, this one's not real, but I wish it was. But see, you can see where this is going, right? Yes. And so we want to avoid people that got bad intentions, and we want to minimize our exposure to drugs and alcohol. I tell a lot of people that are on probation, please don't go around people that are growing marijuana or selling marijuana, right? Oh. <laughs> right, but if you're on probation, why would I say that you shouldn't do oh, that? probation? Yeah, especially probation people. Why? Well, you're on probation. You have no rights, right? You know that. You ever watch a TV oh. show, Cops? Okay, and the cops, they always pull a person over, right? And the guy's got no shirt on, of course, right? That's one of the rules. No shirt, that's how you get arrested, right? And so you got no shirt on, right? And the cop says, are you on probation or parole? Now, he's not asking you that question to get to know you. Like, you know, <laughs> tell me about yourself, honey. You know, no, he asked you that question because as soon as you say yes, you have no rights at all because you're on probation. So he can go through your pockets. He can pull your pants down. He can go through your car. He can call your mom from your cell phone. He can do whatever he wants because you're on probation. Okay. Is that making sense? Yeah. You want to avoid people in places that are abusing drugs and alcohol because if you're on probation, you have no rights. Right. Okay. How about number two wants to read that one? Negative feelings, especially anger. Uncomfortable feelings such as sadness, loneliness, guilt, fear, anxiety, tiredness. What's bad about those types of feelings? This anger, sadness, loneliness, guilt, fear, anxiety, and tiredness. Right. They're bad things, and so you want to change those feelings. If I smoke marijuana, how fast can I change how I feel? From the moment I have it in my hand to the moment it begins to burn and go in my lungs, how fast can I change how I feel? Maybe a minute. So, 60 <laughs> seconds would not be unreasonable, right? Yeah. So, if, I have, if I'm having... Minute, I mean, as soon as... I mean, psychologically, as soon as you bring it to your mouth, right. you'll be as like, soon as you yes, taste I'm going to be high. <laughs> You're right. As soon as you taste it, you can actually change how you feel, right? But technically, I would say about 60 seconds, for sure two minutes, right? Yeah. For sure in 120 seconds from your time of inhaling oh, yeah. to exhaling, you can change how you feel. So imagine with drug addicts and alcoholics, how much patience do they have for uncomfortable feelings? Oh. Right. <laughs> I don't have to fucking feel this way. I don't know how to change how I feel in 120 seconds. 
All right? It's like opening Pandora's box. How about the next one? Positive feelings that make you want to celebrate. Are some people more celebratory drinkers than celebratory partiers? Yeah, some people have that more of, of their motivation, right? Um, some people that I meet with, their real motivation to get high isn't because they're sad or depressed, but because when other people are celebrating, especially holidays. Some people are really holiday partiers. They'll do powdered cocaine on New Year's Eve. They won't do it the rest of the year, right? They'll get really drunk on St. Patrick's Day, but most of the year they won't do that. So some people are vulnerable to celebrations. Is that making sense? Yeah. How about the next item, number four? How about boredom? Okay. So what's with this boredom thing? So many kids that smoke pot tell me, I'm bored, 14, 15 years old. I want to do something. Right. I do some drugs. I do some cool stuff. That's right. I mean, you feel good. I'm not bored so much. Yeah. I should do some more. Right. Or can't tell myself that I'm bored and that can justify me smoking weed. Yeah. Oh, okay. Why'd you smoke weed? Oh, I was bored. What the fuck does that even mean? Like you were bored. You try anything else? Well, no. You try going outside. No. Do you try playing video games? No. Do you try going to the movies? Right. Do you try calling your girlfriend? No. How fucking bored were you? Weed is easy. Right. Other stuff you gotta go somewhere. Right. The mechanic. The mechanics of getting high are very simple. Right. We can get a toddler to actually do that. If you get a two-year-old, I can I can train a monkey to get high. Not to be mean. Not that it's a sophisticated skill set, right? But I can. There's monkeys that smoke cigarettes. That's right. There's monkeys that drink beer. Not putting monkeys down. Full respect for monkeys, right? Yeah. No, not talking shit about monkeys in here. Just the people. Right. I get it. Okay, how about number five? Hey, Jennifer, you be number five. This is yours for today. Using any drugs that can change how you feel, like oh. NyQuil. What's bad about NyQuil? Well, it knocks you out because I was doing that last week. Uh-huh. I was really sick. Right. Then I wasn't so sick anymore, and I still was like, mm, I still have some left. I'm still kind of sick. Yeah. And then I'm like, yeah, no. Better not what does NyQuil have in it as a main ingredient? Probably alcohol. Alcohol, alcohol right? Well, it was the capsules. It was the capsules? Okay. It doesn't matter. It's still not. Well, the, the liquid stuff is much worse, though. The capsules are more forgiving. They really are. The I liquid know, stuff, people, I've, I've met people that have chugged an entire bottle of NyQuil. I don't recommend it. But uh, yeah, I've done that. Yeah. And so how'd you feel after you did it? Uh, good. Well, define good. Calm. Uh-huh. I take a nap. Right? And then what? Well, and it never really affected me that much. Uh-huh. But I've not had any drugs in my system. So you're so clean long. now. Yes, yeah, so you have no I, tolerance. I wasn't expecting to pass out. So I, no, so you're I like a freight then, train. So then I did it the next night. Oh, but boy. Still, I was still really sick. I'm not doing it. I threw it out. Thank you. Let's not play with these things, I right? I didn't realize what it's I was fine, doing. It's fine, and I respect that. The Buddhist philosophy, it's better to have no itch than to scratch at all. What does that mean? It's better to have no itch than to scratch at all. I don't want to have any cravings for this shit. No, I don't. Right. No, I'm saying this out loud, right? Because oh, okay. if I start to have cravings for it, I might do it. Right. I don't want to have any itches that I got to scratch. All right. I also put a Buddha in my car the other day, too. I have to, I have to fix my Buddha. He died over there over the winter time. It was one. a rough winter. It was. I see Buddha fucking died. <laughs> All right. How about number six, Pete? Physical pain, major illness, major injury, or being sick. Okay. What's difficult about that? How can that trigger a person to relapse? I have that fear yeah. of getting, I've never, I don't even want to say it, never mind. What? No, like, I've never had anything happen where uh-huh. I'm in so much pain that they would prescribe. A real narcotic, right, yeah. Right. 
Like I've never been. But we'll cross that bridge when we get to it. I have because I'm getting older. Yeah. Sometimes I get these. I don't know why I think mm-hmm. things. But how do people survive for thousands of years without narcotic pills to take? What if I have to have surgery or something? What if you never have to take surgery? What if you never get That's ill? That's why I'm changed to change my diet. I'm, <laughs> I'm pretending I'm in a third world country. Ah. It's all about what you eat. Yeah. So to prevent any weird things. I'm big on prevention. Me too. Yeah. Now I have to be. I right. Have to. So I have a female client that came down with full-blown cancer, you know, Patty. Oh, no. Patty. Huh? And she's still completely sober. She's got breast cancer. Now, is breast cancer licensed to get high? Let's be honest. If I walk into a bar and, I, and I'm a woman and I got fucking breast cancer and my head is shaved and I go to the bartender, I am so-and-so, my name is Patty, and I got breast cancer and I want to have a shot, what will they say? Here's one Let me get you two and then get you one on the house as well. I'm so sorry to hear that, right? No, I'm serious. Oh, no, I know. It's a license to get high. If I go to the, to the pain management doctor and I, I have full-blown cancer, will you help me out? And they're like, here's a script of oxys, you're good to go. I walk in there with HIV or AIDS, right? Here's a script of oxys, you're good to go. So there's certain kinds of illnesses that basically people will sanction you getting all kinds of pain pills, got anxiety, well, what's going on with you? Well, geez, you know, I just broke my leg, you know, and I, and I can't work for six weeks and I'm unemployed and I, I can't pay my rent. Oh, are you stressed out about that? Yeah, we're going to give you some Xanax. No. I'm, I'm making a point, though. But I'm making a point. I get it. Yes. So what do you do? So what do you do? Well, when people have injuries or surgeries, right? And it has happened all the time, especially the, the most common one is usually like wisdom teeth surgery, stuff like that, right? And it's going to be planned stuff, right? Or even like knee surgery. All my clients are younger and they were in sports and they hurt their knees, right? Yeah. So you have a third party handle your medication. So when you're in the hospital, you have the right to be on morphine and Dilaudid after a surgery, right? Okay. But when you get out of the hospital, when you get a prescription for Vicodin or Percodin or Percocet, you give it to a trusted loved one. You oh. said, you are now in charge of this medication, and it says, you know, take three times as needed for pain, and that's all I get, no matter how much pain I'm in. However, however, if I'm in so much pain that this Percocet doesn't work, I have the right to go to the emergency room in the hospital to get morphine. Because watch this, nine times out of ten, most people won't actually do that. But if it's real pain and it's that bad, then they will. Is that making sense? Yeah. Do you, if you, it's like for me, I've, since I had the pain pill thing, Yeah. if somebody were to do that, would I get addicted to them again? If you were on them long enough, you would. Like so that. the recommendation, honestly, to be safe, here's, here's safe. Seven days or less with pain pills, you're, you're pretty much good. You start going 30 days and more out on pain pills, it's not going to be good. Okay. Like, like, I know for a fact for myself, if I do heroin two days in a row, I will have physical withdrawals. That's how my system has been set up. It's been so affected it. by it. I'll be, and so it was the weirdest thing. I did heroin two days in a row. The third day, I had full-blown heroin withdrawals. And that, that's not normal? No, like no. It takes about a month to get heroin withdrawals from doing heroin. Okay. Yeah, I used to do it 30 days I in a row. This was obviously a while ago. That this I know happened. that. I'm just making a point. Okay, yeah, so of course. Asking. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. So, with the Vicodins and the Percodans, you've got to be very careful. But that's what a trusted person will be there for you, right? Okay. How about the next one? Number seven. <laughs> Listening to war stories and reminiscing about previous drinking or drugging. What's bad about me spending the whole day talking to everybody about how great getting high is? Why is that a bad idea? Getting high is so fucking awesome. I wish I was fucking high right now. Going to the bar and getting drunk is fucking great. What, what's bad about talking that way? It fires you up. Right? It fires you up. What else does it do? It gets you all jazzed yeah. up. What else does it do? 
Well, you might convince one of your friends to do it, or worst case scenario, you might sell yourself on the idea, right? So the opposite is probably good, right? Here's what's bad about getting high. Here's why I don't get high. Here are the benefits of being sober. And you keep thinking about that and repeating that, and before you know it, you sold yourself on sobriety. Remember, we sell ourselves on a lot of bullshit, even without drugs and alcohol. A lot of bad decisions were sold to us on stupid ideas, right? You don't need a condom the first time you have sex. You can't possibly get pregnant. Who said that? I don't say that. (laughs) Trust me, I don't say that out loud. Anyway, next one. Who wants to read that? Jennifer. Suddenly having a lot of cash. Suddenly. Like. I'm sorry. Suddenly. Suddenly having a lot of cash. Such as. Well, I don't know about payday, but winning the lottery. What about payday, though? A lot of people get paid in cash, or sometimes they get paid with a check, and they go to the bank and cash it's that not check. not exciting to me. Payday's not like... But some people, it is a trigger. You know that, right? No. Absolutely. Okay. Mm-hmm. Especially cocaine people. Yeah, check in hand on a Friday. Going this What's that? The powder cocaine? Yes, it is. I hear about that. I oh, my God. Oh, oh no. Oh. Powder cocaine's making a comeback. And it's pure because it came from Texas. Really? Texas. Yep. Anyway, well, sorry. Like, Cocaine for me was not a big thing, but it was only on occasion of like a holiday. That's where cocaine came into play. Right. So I already know about it. Anyway. So what are your views on cocaine, Jennifer? Tell us why cocaine is bad. Please say something. Oh, it's bad. Well, it's bad for me because I don't just do a bump. I'll do it all night the next night and then it feels so... Ugh. Yeah. Okay. What's it like to run... What's it feel like to run a cocaine and run out of money? Everybody was your friend, because they really were. Yeah. And then towards the end, hey, who's got some left? Oh, you have some. I know you have some. Everybody gets all mean. Yeah. And there's this weird, eh, cracked out. Everybody's all just like, <laughs> yeah. But now we can't really go to sleep. No. Now we're feeling all weird and weird. Yeah. And then that lasts for like a day or two. How's that depression, too, when Ooh, all the cocaine is Depression, you're so high. Yeah. Get back to, and this is what I told my people yeah. when I heard about the cocaine. I'm like, that's fine, yeah. because I'll just be here. Fine, that one night you guys be all like this, yep. and the next day you guys be like this, I'll still be high. <laughs> Remember, the higher you fly, the farther you fall. I know. And that's how cocaine works. When you get really, really high in cocaine, oh, in that moment, I'm sure it's fantastic, but guess what? Just be patient, because that crash is vicious. I know, ew. I know, gross, yeah. don't worry. The famous cliche about cocaine is you'll see this in bars all the time. I fucking hate cocaine. Do you got any? (laughs) What? I I fucking hate cocaine. Do you got any? Do you got any? (laughs) Because everybody knows what that that day after is. Yeah. I'm drinking. But in that moment, I want that innocent gratification. All right, Pete, how about this uh, thing about this Xanax? Using a prescription drug that will get you high even if taken as prescribed. Why should I choose some Xanax all day long? Because I got anxiety. It's not fixing your anxiety. Right now I'm having a difficult time focusing. I need some Adderall. Right now, you know what? I'm feeling anxious talking to Jennifer. I need a Xanax. By the way, Pete, I got some really difficult problems with sleep. I need some Ambien. And oh, by the way, my knee hurts. I need a Percodan. Man, and why are you even alive? Just being alive requires a whole bunch of fucking <laughs> medication, it doesn't it? Like. No. no, but that's what a lot of people believe. No. Trust me, a lot of people will tell you that shit. And remember, the magical word is medicine. Hey, did you get your medicine? Oh, you mean my Oxycontin instant release? Oh, it doesn't sound so pretty when you say it like that. Your drugs? Nope. See, when doctors prescribe it, they say medicine, and that sounds pretty. When you buy it from the guy on the street, it's called drugs, and it sounds ugly. But guess what? What's the difference between the guy in the morgue 
that took a bunch of medicine and died, and the guy in the morgue that took a bunch of heroin and died. What's the difference between the two? Nothing. Nothing. They're both fucking dead. One has had a prettier thing to write about himself that he doctor gave it to him. For the first time in American history, we have more people dying from prescription drug overdoses than all illegal drugs combined. I can go to lots of these doctors and convince them. Some of them, honestly, aren't bad doctors, but they just want to hear the right things, and they'll give you whatever you want. Remember, if the only tool I have is a hammer, everything becomes a nail. So when you go to see a doctor, their solution for your symptoms is a pill. I know. Right. They don't even care. They're not even talking to you to find out what's wrong with you, really. Yeah. Psychiatrists used to talk to their patients. Now, most psychiatrists spend five minutes with their patients and write a series of scripts and say, I'll see you in 90 days. That's why it's hard for me to find any good psychiatrist. I only have a couple. Seriously. Really. Dr. V is one of them. I only have a couple that I actually trust completely that spend time with their clients. Dr. V, I sent her a 13-year-old client of mine, and she spent an hour and a half talking to him. As a psychiatrist, that's unheard of. That never fucking happens. That shows you the difference between that woman and your run of a, of a mill pill pusher, right? Yeah, I've spent I've spent an hour with her several times. Yeah, because she's the she, real deal. Yeah, yeah, she's the best. Isn't that great. Okay, next one, number ten. How about uh, that, Jackson? Believing that you are finally cured and being cocky. That is, you are no longer vulnerable to the bad consequences of drug alcohol use. It is now safe for you to get high occasionally. It will. It was all just bad luck. So why do people want to believe it was all just bad luck? Those two DUIs, that domestic violence charge, that heroin habit that I had, right? That pill habit that I had that caused me to live in my car. It was bad luck. It was an astrological phenomena. My zodiac sign was fucked up. Venus was not rising that point, right? Right. I had fucking what's that? Um, what's the other term they have for that? Um, Born under uh, under a bad sign or something like that, right? No bad sign. Yeah, Neptune was falling and Venus was rising and Mercury was in the wrong angle. And I was fucked up, man. Yeah. All right. Now I know what to do. <laughs> <laughs> so a lot of people want to be unlucky. They don't want to be addicts. Guy had three DUIs. doesn't happen very often. I said, sir, I hate giving labels out loud, but sir, there's a very strong possibility that you're an alcoholic. And he said to me with a straight face, I'm not an alcoholic. I'm just unlucky. I go, like, what do you mean? Like, globally unlucky? Like, you're going to walk out, leave my office, break your nose and slip and fall unlucky? Always spill your milk unlucky? Or only unlucky when you're drinking and driving? Right? Yeah, that one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> okay, how about number 11 there? The death of a loved one. Okay, how can that affect people? Really horrible. Yeah, it stirs up some pretty strong feelings. I've seen it go two ways. One of my close friends, Rick, who I helped get sober, and his mom's dying wish was for him to be off of drugs, especially heroin. And he had six months sober, and his mom was dying, uh, and she was in uh, Canada. He went across the border to Canada to see his mom, and uh, she, he held her, and she prayed with him, and she said, I'm so proud of you, son, for being sober. And uh, she passed away six hours later, and it, it brought out the best in him. You know, it made his recovery even more solid. You know, that's one positive that could happen, right? Because that was always her dream. And I, I promise you this, that woman went away to the other side in a really good place because she saw her son sober. And that was her dream for almost the last 20 years. Okay. Yeah. 
But what about the other one that happens if you lose someone that you really feel close to, especially parents that lose their children, they're very vulnerable to addiction. If your kid dies in a car accident or a DUI accident or gets cancer and dies, why are parents very vulnerable to becoming alcoholics and addicts from that kind of trauma? They can't deal with the pain. Yeah. It's one of those things that doesn't make sense, right? Like, why did my kid die from cancer? That doesn't make any sense. Why did my kid get hit by a car and die, right? Like, they, they won't, yeah, they just can't stop thinking about Yes. It. Exactly right. They, they can't uh, leave it alone. Never, they'll never fully heal from it. Mm -hmm. and they just want, just want to get away from it. Yeah, and they fall into a pattern of using that. What's that? You have to transcend that. Yes, you have to, but it's hard. And so, oh, yeah. remember, we're vulnerable to wanting to use when we have someone that we care about die. And how about the last one? I'll read it out loud. A new relationship, a breakup, a divorce, or a loss of job, or a loss of residence. How can those trigger a person to relapse? I got my new recovery girlfriend, me and recovery girlfriend are going to NA meetings together, right? Tara's <laughs> like, is that a true story, Rice? No, it's not. I'm making this one up, too. <laughs> me and recovery girlfriend were kissing at NA, and we're even, this is a great story, too, by the way. I saw this one couple was so fucking cool oh, that he sat at the NA table, and his woman sat in his lap and played with his hair and spun it around in circles <laughs> and blew in his ear as he fucking leaned and talked about sobriety. I was wow. like, motherfucker, you got your girlfriend in your lap with a miniskirt on at an N.A. table? Like, wow. <laughs> but the sad story is that they didn't, didn't stay so... Long, well, they didn't last very long, and she tended to cheat on him a lot, and they tended to both begin to relapse. But they looked great at that table at that moment. They looked like Hollywood stars, <laughs> like Kim Kardashian shit, right? All right, so what, what's difficult about breakups and fights and relationships when a person's in sobriety? How can that trigger a person to want to use? All those things are big stress balls. Thank you. I mean, it just seems like everything, if it's uncomfortable, makes you want to do drugs. Yeah. Is that the whole point of all It is, right? But what's different about this relationship stuff, though? What is it's it about that? that? Go up and down all the what about time? a divorce? Divorces and DUIs go hand in hand. Why is that? Oh, because, oh, you go drink. Yeah. I don't know, I just go drink. That bitch, she's leaving me. She doesn't know how good she has it. Bartender, give me another one. And everyone at the bar is like, you're fucking right, bro. That fucking bitch doesn't know how fucking great you are. Yeah, fucking bitch, right? And then she's at the other bar. Go, that fucking dick. Oh, my God, he's a fucking asshole. Fuck that dick. All right, I'm going to get drunk. Fuck yeah, Sally, you get another beer. Right? Right. And both of them get their DUIs the same night, driving in different directions. Right? Christian. Christian. That would be a story. Loss of residence. How can that trigger a person to want to use? Oh, that's going to happen to me. Yeah. Um, I don't want to use. Yeah, but how can it trigger a person to want to use? You use it because it'll freak you out. What am I going to do? Uh, Isn't it a sense of safety but, and security? Yeah, that's, yes, that's like a at, basic. At least I have drugs. <laughs> right. Maslow's, house, Maslow's hierarchy of needs. Like, so food, air, shelter, warmth, you know what I mean? companionship people. I mean, there's like a whole hierarchy of needs, and this is a very important need, a sense of safe stability yeah. and residence. And so when that's rocked from underneath you, you can be vulnerable to wanting to use. But being reasonable, um, doing drugs is not going to get me a residence. Thank you. In fact, it might do what, Jennifer? It's not, I'm going to not do it. But if, if you, not saying you, but say some other woman named Sally, uh -huh. if Sally was to do drugs because she lost her place to stay, what might happen to Sally? Right, and how much fun is living in a car? No, I on a scale of fun from zero to ten, give me a number. Negative two. Yes. 
And if it's summer, uh -huh. you think, oh, okay, it's warm. No, it gets all dewy in your car. Right. And your seats are, you know, and you're sleeping and it's yeah. weird. Is it glamorous to sleep in your car with no. a pocket full of pills? Well, you keep taking them. All right, was it glamorous? It's not glamorous, glamorous at all. No. But then you go to work. Yeah. And you're you trying to look okay. Yeah, you plan People that performance. Like, mm, I think something, like something's off. Yeah. No, I'm fine. Yeah, I'm doing great. I'm all cracked out because I did all my pills. I just came from a car. I just came from a car. God, that was horrible. Yeah, never again. Never again. No, that's true. And, at the end, and so, yeah. So these are 12 scenarios and cause a person to go back to using. We don't want that to happen. So please write down, give me a, a pen over to Jackson, write down five reasons to stay sober. They can be any five reasons. They can be stay out of jail, uh, be a better role model, uh, do better in school, uh, save money. It can, oh, yeah, that's a good one. Yeah. It can be better health. It can be to reach my full potential. That's the best one. That's my personal favorite. <laughs> somewhere around here in this office, it says it somewhere on the wall. Oh, it? Yeah, my serenity one. Okay. Oh, yeah. This pen don't work. All right, no problem. You got many more where that came from. Oops, sorry. And so the reason is that we want to write down five reasons to stay sober because it allows you to focus on the benefits. Remember, we're selling ourselves. Think about it. This is self-marketing, right? I gotta convince myself that using is a stupid idea. I gotta convince myself that staying clean is an excellent idea. And so this happens with our internal dialogue. As I hear myself speak, I learn what I believe. So if I'm spending the whole day promoting sobriety and talking about being sober, odds are really high that I'll do that. If I'm spending the whole day talking, fucking sobriety is bullshit, man. Everyone's getting high except for me. This is not fair. And before you know it, I'm eating Vicodins again with my eyes you know, full of tears. You know, can I just say something? Yes. Sorry, I no, I want you to say something. Yes. So last summer when I was living in the car and then sometimes staying in the Clausen Park, mm -hmm. and I'm all cracked out. This was like on the weekend, but I really wasn't going to, you know, mm -hmm. I didn't have anywhere to go because I wasn't going to work, so I just had to hang out there. Yeah. Feeling, and it was a nice summer day, uh -huh. and there were families at the park, mm -hmm. and I just felt, I'm not normal. Look at all these normal people. Yeah. They're not sitting here all cracked out or... Freaking out because I only have you know three dollars, but I gotta I gotta get like a hundred dollars worth of pills the last yeah. of the day. Right. What am I gonna do? People are doing yoga in the park, and I just sat there. I'm like, I am on the outside, and it feels so weird. Yeah. And now I drive by that same park. And. Like oh my god, I'm finally normal. Yeah. And I never thought my home life that I would want to be normal. Yeah. I guess I do. But I always knew you would be. Even when I met your sister and your family, I knew you would be. Oh. Yeah. That's when I was no, no. But I came here we we did on the. Drugs. I know that, and I told you to keep coming here on drugs. Isn't that interesting? Yeah. And I told you that I was. Just, I but you understand why I said that? I needed you to be I in a do. safe place because I knew it was going to be gradual, and we were waiting to get you into rehab. Yeah, I was going. Yeah. We I did. It. I did basic. So I did a free intervention for you and your family. I didn't charge a dime for that. Thank you. Yeah. If it wasn't for you, I yeah. probably would not have gotten sober. My sister looked. And nobody would help me. I know, because they're assholes and they're all focused on money. And she was all freaked out. Yeah. She's like, I don't know what to do. Yeah. But your name kept coming up. Yeah. And then she ran into Greg. And, yeah. And he said that and I And I told your sister point blank, I can get her sober. Yeah, I don't know. I'm telling you, I can get her sober. And we met and, and we clicked. Yeah. And you did all the right things. And something but respect for you. You had the courage to go into treatment and get help. 99% of the women in your same predicament don't have that level of courage. You got the courage of a grizzly bear. You're a big fucking deal. Thank you. I feel good. Good. 
So who wants to read their five reasons to stay sober? Jackson, go ahead. Save money, do well in school, uh, support family and like make your family proud. Absolutely. Feel good about your life and reach your full potential. Nice. Pete, you want to share yours? Sure. To get a better job, make and save money, to have better health, to stay out of jail, and to reach my full potential. Love it. You want to share yours, Jennifer? Uh-huh. To work and make money, because to me, money will get me what I need to get, which yeah. is my own place. Yeah. And then from there, I can, you know, start saving, because I don't have a savings at this point. Right. And that makes me feel weird. Yeah. So I can get there. But step by step. But if I was on drugs, I would not be able to do any of that. Trust me. And I would not be independent. <laughs> yeah, that's true. Now, the next part is five people that want you to be sober. Think about it. Five people, if I was to interview them and say, how do you feel about Jackson? How do you feel about Jennifer? How do you feel about Pete? Do you want them to be sober? And I'm willing to bet it's going to be probably your mom. It can be alive or dead, by the way, too. So five people, alive or dead, who would prefer you to be sober. It can be your mom, your dad, your sister, your brother. It can be your friend from school. It can be your boss at work. Um, if you believe in a higher power, it can be God. If you got pets... I was going to say, if anyone's got a dog or a cat, I just talked to your dog or cat, and your dog and cat said, I want that guy sober. I want that woman sober. You got a goldfish. That fucking goldfish wants you sober. Yeah, you feed <laughs> so five people alive or dead that would prefer you to be sober. It uh, changes your perspective when you begin to think about it in these terms, right? Now, I have to admit that sometimes I meet with people. I did with a guy with yesterday whose mom and dad were alcoholics and he was Native American. And I go, he goes, well, I'm not sure who I should put down. So my go-to person is always, well, put down your mom, you know? He goes, Raj, if my mom was alive today, the first thing she'd say is, I want to have a beer with you. Oh. I mean, she parted till the day she died. She died of cancer and she was an alcoholic and so was his father. I go, I'm sorry to hear that. So not all of us were given, you know, good role model parents. We even had parents that, you know, do heroin with their kids and turn their kids into heroin. We got really pieces of shit. This is the biggest piece of shit story in Gross Point when this kid was doing heroin in Gross Point from a very, very wealthy family. And mom and dad kept catching him doing heroin and stealing shit, and they put him in and out of rehab. And at a certain point... Dad and mom divorced, because when you're using drugs, you engage in the four Ds. You deny there's a problem, you distract from the problem, you delay getting help, and you divide up the family. So this kid and his addiction divided up mom and dad, so dad left mom in the big house and ran away to California because he couldn't deal with the heroin shooting going on in the house. And the son's in the house doing heroin, and at one point, mom breaks down in tears and says, how can I get you to stop? Why can't you see that it's wrong? And the kid goes, hey, mom, why don't you try snorting some? You won't feel so upset. I'm not even fucking kidding. I wish I was telling you this as a joke. Yeah, I met the family. And so the kid does heroin with his mom, and she snorts it, and all the pain about worrying about her son doing heroin goes away. Mm -hmm. 
No. You think this story can't get any fucking worse, right? Like, you think, that's really bad part of the story. No, that's the beginning of the bad part of the story. So mom and son now begin doing heroin, right? And they use so much heroin, they go through all the jewelry, all the life savings, and now they even sell the car. So now they're walking across from Gross Point into Detroit to get their drugs. At a certain point, mom, who's a 45-year-old MILF, MILF, I use the term loosely, she's a very good-looking woman, but the heroin's taking its toll on her, and the drug dealer goes, hey, do you want any more heroin? And she's like, yeah, sure. He goes, well, here's all you got to do. You got to do these series of things for me. You make me feel good, I'll make you feel good. And with enough heroin in your system, that sounds like a pretty good idea. And so mom comes back with tears in her eyes and a handful of heroin and says, son, I just had sex with a drug dealer for money. And the son, instead of saying, oh my God, mom, you're majorly fucked up, goes, well, can you do it again tomorrow? And she's like, well, I guess I could, because we ain't got no more money, mom. And before you know it, he's actively calling his friends up in the neighborhood to have sex with his mother for money for heroin. Ma, a story. yeah. What the? Does it ever get better? Um. Yeah. Uh, no. Well, better. So, so she ends up dying of a heroin overdose, and he ends up getting clean. Oh. Yeah. That's what took. Yeah. That's what it took for him to Although I had, I have heard that he has relapsed since then. The odds of him making it after what he did is pretty low. But yeah. I'm sorry about that. Jeff. All right. Five people want you to be sober. Someone give me five. Jackson, give me five. Uh, my mom, my dad, my sister, my my mom's dad, and my dad's mom who's passed away. Beautiful. Jennifer, how about you? Chicken. Uh-huh. My cat. And my sister and my brother. And I said two friends. Yeah. I mean, I have a lot of people. Yeah, I know. I just put them. It's fine. How about you, Pete? Beyonce, mom's dad... Grandma and best friend. Beautiful. Now, the back side of the piece of paper. We had five reasons to stay sober. We got five people who want us to be sober. Now, five things to do if you had a strong urge to drink or eat pills or shoot heroin. Give me five things that you could do instead. Oh, Such, I, I call people. Yeah, call people that you can trust. You call Raj 24 hours a day, seven days a week for free, right? You go to an NA or AA meeting, right? You go to intherooms.com. You go to serenityhelp.com. Where else could you go? You go maybe to Starbucks. Some people actually feel safe at a Starbucks. Oh, yeah, I went to yeah. Yeah. Whole Foods. Absolutely. I think it's really cool. Especially the one aisle. Yeah. They have all the natural like oils and stuff. Yeah. I find it pleasant. Yeah. Or you can go to the movies. <laughs> no, everyone's different. That's what I'm saying. Or, or some people like to work out. They go exercising. Oh, right. That. Or they do yoga. Or they go for a walk with the dog. But there's all kinds of things well, that you can do instead of getting high. One time I didn't even want to do yoga, so uh-huh. I had to just get up and leave real quick, and that's where our clothes came into play. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah, so we find five things to do. The next day, did I tell you about my boss offering? She had 120 Vicodin and offering me some. Yeah, that's majorly fucked up. Was that weird? I'm like, the universe tested me. What's yeah. up with that? And when you, when you were strung out to the gills, how many Vicodins were you offered? What? When you were strung when out I, to the, the gills, yeah. Thinking? No, no, when you were in that park oh. in Clawson, how many free Vicodins were you offered? None. Right. And as soon as you get sober, what happens? They're, They're throwing Vicodins at your fucking head. Yeah, I got so many. You need some? Right. I mean, she doesn't know. Right, exactly. That's my point. Isn't that weird how the world works? Yeah. Watch this. And then when you're strung out and you don't have any Vicodin, but you have some Adderall, so you take that instead? Uh, wow. Like, <laughs> that doesn't feel the same. 
No, but it takes the edge off. For how long? Draws. Then I started doing that the last two months, but I didn't tell people I was doing Adderall. Yeah. So I was mixing them. Right. Because if you take, I had to take so many just to feel normal, but then there was that thing. So I'd take the Adderall to wake up. Yeah. So it was a... Um, got drugs to come up, drugs to come down. You're like a rock star. Who do I think I am? <laughs> anyway. All right. Someone read off their five things they can do if they have a strong urge to use. Um, go to the NA meeting, exercise, uh, talk to friends, play the piano, and play the tape all the way through. That's beautiful. That's beautiful. Well said. Well said. Jennifer, how about yours? Well, I didn't write them down, but... Say them out loud, though. Oh, okay, well... The Whole Foods thing, I do that. I uh-huh. call my sister, or I just go to her house. And then I started watching this spiritual guy, Eckhart Tolle, so I can download him and I listen yeah, to his Yeah, what's wrong talks. with that? He just talks about being in the present moment. Yeah. And, it's, and his voice is very soothing. Great. Yeah, so I like to do that. That's very real good. quick. You can do that on your phone. Yeah, nice. Okay. Very nice. There's only three, but uh, there's more. Yeah. Okay. Walk. Yeah. Walk by the park that I used to be cracked out at. Yeah, which now you walk through in Triumph. Or Hamtramck. I used to go to Hamtramck because the Clawson police, it's Clawson's too small, the police would come and be like, what are you doing? What would you say? Why aren't you going there? Because my dad's mad at me. So then I started going to Hamtramck because it's not as rough as Detroit and then sleeping in my car. Yeah, but it's still not a good place. But no one notices you there. Right. That was, yeah, that was a little shifty. I'm glad you're safe. I'm glad you're sober. <laughs> Pete, how about you? Take the dog for a walk. Good. And go out to eat. Call Raj. Yep. Call a loved one. Good. Turn on a movie. Love it. Fantastic. Thanks everybody for sharing. Now, I got a lot of people that go to court for, for DUIs and probation stuff and for felony stuff. And they walk in. Everybody that sees me has a written relapse prevention plan. Does it sound surprising to you that the clients that I have get the best sentencing results? Because when they go into the court, right, and the judge says, how can I trust you on probation? How can I trust you not to be in jail and not use drugs or alcohol? Watch the wrong response. Your Honor, I'm going to use my fucking willpower. Okay, when's the last time you used any drugs or alcohol? Yesterday. But from this point forward, I'm not getting high anymore. And how are you going to do that? With my willpower. Yeah, nine days in jail to figure that shit out. Now, the other guy walks into court. Judge says to the guy, you know, and, and attorney's talking for him, and the attorney gets interrupted, Counselor, be quiet. I want to hear from your client. And the client says, well, you know, here's the deal. I have a written relapse prevention plan. I have five reasons to stay sober. I got five people that want me to be sober. And I have five things that I can do if I have a strong urge to use. In addition, I go to intherooms.com. I'm seeing a therapist. I just completed a substance abuse education program. And I go to AA and NA meetings. And I got a sponsor. And who do you think doesn't go to jail that day? And so, but the judge, you're giving the judge something that shows that you're being proactive and he can bet on you to win because you have a method to stay sober. Look, I meet a lot of people, trust me. They sit in that chair over there and they cry. They have tears in their eyes and they say out loud, I don't want to get high anymore. The tears in their eyes. Like, why the fuck would you come to my office to lie like that? I'm not a probation officer. I'm not your mom. There's no reason to lie to me. So you're telling the truth. You're sitting in my office and with tears in your eyes saying, I don't want to get high anymore. So here's where I ask the question. Okay, how do you want to achieve your goal? And oftentimes they'll say, well, I just want to use my willpower. And I get a chill up my fucking spine and I go, that's a really stupid idea. How about this other idea? How about going to therapy? I don't want to do that. How about going to AA or NA? I don't want to do that. How about writing a relapse prevention plan? I don't want to do that. How about going to therooms.com? So 
every idea that I have to get you sober, you don't want to do that? No. All right. So you really want to stay sober? Yeah. No, you don't. Be honest with yourself because you don't have the gift of desperation. Look, it's a weird thing. People don't understand, but it's actually a gift to be so desperate that when you come to somebody for help, remember step 0.5 is asking for help. And you say, hey, I need some help. And they're like, well, here's what you can do to get help. And instead of arguing with the fucking person, instead you say, well, okay, I'm going to do that because it means that much to me and to my family. Right? That's the more difficult path. That's what I was just talking to you about in the, in the room over there. That's the more challenging path. That's the road less traveled. That's the more difficult way to be. Any clown, any fool can smoke weed and drink. It takes no courage at all. It takes a great deal of courage to not get high for 24 hours. Don't tell a lie. Go to sleep and wake up and do it again. That's why I admire everybody in this room so much. All you guys have so much courage and you're doing the right thing and you're breaking the cycle of addiction. Mm -hmm. That's noble. Is that making sense? Yeah. I mean, that's a lot of effort that you have to do. Yeah. Effort. Cool. Any comments or questions at all? Okay, we're going to call it as the recovery college is over, and I'll see you guys next Tuesday. All right?